around the world. The Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Good evening, friends. David Langford here. We'd like to welcome you this Tuesday to The Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. We trust and we pray that God's grace and God's presence has already pervaded your life today and touched you in a very personal and a very special way. I know he will if you will just take the time and put in the effort to get into his presence. I'm certitude he will touch your heart and life in a very, very special way. I do want to make mention of our upcoming revival meeting in Fort Mill, South Carolina at Heritage, USA, September the 30th through October the 3rd. I want to encourage you profusely to come and be in the presence of God. I believe in the coming days, the church, the body of Christ, is going to need a special touch. I believe without a doubt God is going to honor his word, and God is going to pour out of his spirit like he promised he would. And I want you, my friend, to be a part of that freshet and that outpouring of the spirit of God. As I said yesterday, I've encouraged the speakers to be led by the Holy Ghost. This is not a conference wherein we have a theme, a motif. I just said, come and be led by the Holy Ghost and minister as the Holy Spirit of God leads you to minister. I'm not putting any, any clamps, any demands on these speakers. I just want them to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to move as the Spirit of God leads them. With what is coming in the very near future, you're going to need the touch of God. You're going to need the touch of God. Regrettably, most of the things that are taking place are not going to help you. Many times the things that you're listening to are not what you need to help you to overcome the world. Listen, this is a battle for eternity. This is a battle for your soul. And you need all the God you can get as the old fellow said, you need to get all the God you can and then can all you can get. You get every bit of it and you can it. You put it up as a reserve for times of distress. And this is what these meetings are about, literally about revival. David said in Psalms 85, verse 6, Will thou not revive us again, O Lord, that thy people may rejoice in thee? I want God to revive you. I want God to revamp you. I want God to restore you. So I'm asking you, please, show up and come. I don't know how long we can do these. Something may happen. I sense in my spirit, I told Jordan in the office today, I'm anticipating uh, something to do with computers to negatively affect the nation. Um, I'm not, as you well know, very versed 
and computers and the technology. But I believe there's a debacle that's coming, and I can't say how, when, where. I can't even give you a time. But I know in my heart there's going to be something uh, that's going to be crippling. There's going to be a, a tremendous crippling effect uh, with computers. Uh, every, everything is done by computer, communication, et cetera, et cetera. Everything we do, even here in the office, sending the audio e-files, video e-files, all of this stuff is done through computers. So the enemy is going to seek a means and a method to shut down America. You've already witnessed the tenuous leadership by Joe Biden, who does not know where he is. He does not know what he's doing, and he's terribly distracted by absolutely anything that comes along. And I said it in the beginning, I'll say it again. This administration is far more, a hundred times far more covert than Obama was. You're not going to know anything. At least Trump talked to the people out there on the White House lawn every day nearly. But you're not going to see that in this administration because this is their desire to bring in destruction of America as we know it. But I will not cease to pray and cry out to God and pray for America, and I know you will not either. But this is why we need revival meetings. We need moves of God. We need moves of God. So this is not a conference. This is a genuine bona fide revival meeting. Register, bring someone with you, share it with others, Encourage them to come. And I'd love to do two or three of these a year, but I need your support. I need you to show up. I need you to come. And I believe those of you that have a desire for a deeper walk and a deeper encounter with God, you will, you will make the effort. You will make the effort. And let me say this. I know there have been times, personally, I have been in revival and in places where there was a move of God. And it would last me for weeks and months. That, that fresh drink of the Holy Ghost would last for months. That's what the presence of God does when you get there in his holy presence. I'll be speaking, Russ Dizdar, Jimmy D. Smith, Paul Jacobs, and we're going to have another speaker. But this is about revival. Remember that. This is about getting into a place, an atmosphere of absolute worship. Now, I know uh, many people would rather go and be somewhere else and something that's full of PowerPoints and this and that and another. That's not going to help you with what's coming. You're going to need the grace of God. Before the Noahic flood took place, God shut Noah up in the ark and shut the door. God's presence was with him. And I believe the same presence of God will be with us here in the time of the end. I want to play a, 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 a song, and a, a, a musical in a sense, by Phil Driscoll. Many of you know Phil Driscoll, uh, a great, greatly talented man uh, playing the saxophone, the trumpet, the piano, the keyboards. Very, very greatly talented man. Listen to his rendition here of the song that Bill Gaither wrote, Because He Lives, and truly, because Christ lives, you and I can face tomorrow.
Aren't you glad Christ lives today? Because he lives, we without a doubt can face tomorrow. We began yesterday's program addressing Romans 5 and 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We want to look at verse 20 today. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Because of man's transgressions, it was needful for God to establish a law, more than just a principle, but a law to identify sin, 
The law identifies the sinner so that the man or the sinner might understand and recognize his sinfulness and his transgressions against a holy God. Now, this is where conscience bears great witness about right and wrong. Nobody, if you have a good conscience, nobody has to tell you you're lying. If you have a good conscience, no one has to tell you you're telling the truth. You know innately, you know within, because of a good conscience, you understand I'm doing right or I'm doing wrong. Now that law, of course, we're, we're talking basically about the Mosaic law and how that it identified sin. God gave Ten Commandments and the Decalogue, Decalogue meaning ten, God gave ten commandments that what man should do. Part of those commandments deal with your relationship toward God, and part of them deal with your relationship toward mankind. If I, if I remember correctly in my studies, six of the commandments are basically between you and God, and the other are between you and man, and it's been said that's the cross. The horizontal part of the cross is dealing with mankind, our, our neighbor. And the vertical part of the cross is between you and God. That's been one of the definitions that's been used to define the cross. You see, what, how we deal with one another and how we deal with God vertically. God gave us a law. Remember, Paul said he had not known lust, except the law said thou shalt not covet. Because God has standards and guidelines, when we go against those, we are in opposition to God and who and what he is. Did you know God is holy? Revelation 4 and 8 says, the cherubims, they rest not day or night, crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. So we know that God is a holy God. He's not profane. He's not degraded. He is not debased. He is not vile. He is not wicked. That is not in God. God is righteous and God is holy. If we are in him, we too will be righteous and godly and holy. If he is not in us, we will not bear the fruit of his spirit. I said some weeks ago, if you knew the lifestyle of some of the people that you listen to, you would turn them off so quick because your spirit would be grieved because you know the truth. This is why the gift of discernment is so important. This is why the gift of discernment is so significant in this hour. See, there are godly men and women, without a doubt. Then there are those who are not Christian whatsoever. They're vile, they're wicked, they're sinners. Then we've got the apostates, the reprobates, and the hypocrites. They will lead you to believe they are righteous, they are godly, they are this and they are that. But at the close of the day, they are none of those things. I've never witnessed so many hypocrites 
that have a platform today. I mean, it's, it's tragic. It is sad. They use the name of God. They say they're a Christian. But it's been said concerning integrity. Integrity is what someone does when nobody is watching, when nobody knows anything. There are a lot of things I sadly know about a lot of circumstances and situations. I've never told this publicly, but in one of the conferences that I preached some years ago, a particular vendor approached my wife and said, let's go somewhere in this motel room and let's make out. Let's go make out. Lesbian. And my wife in her naivety says, say what, do what? Let's go somewhere here in this motel and make out. And my wife said again, say what? <laughs> I'll just forget. I'm just kidding. These are the things that are rampant in so-called Christianity. There are so many open violations. And regrettably, if you're not in the circle, you don't know all of that. But if you are led by the Holy Ghost you will soon pick up this person is just not right. You know, you got those in denominations who will preach things and advocate things and legalistic things and dogmatic things, but privately, they don't live it either. They don't live it either. I know what I'm talking about. It's sad. It is sad that we live in a world of deception. It's sad that we live in a, a world where there is so much duplicity. There's, there is such deception. Uh, there is such chicanery and trickery. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost and you don't have the Word of God, you're going to fall for some things. Remember, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived, meaning it is not possible for God's elect to be deceived. You know, it's like the light may come on a little bit late, but the light does come on. You may not know all the truth right now, but the truth will come out. And sometimes God will separate you from people, and initially you're like, why? Why? Because there's an event, there's something that's going to take place, and God has already severed you so that you're not harmed or injured by that which is to come. Because God does know the future, by the way, folks. He does know what's going to happen before it ever happens. You may question right now why God is severing you from certain things because he's trying to protect you because he loves you. One of my weaknesses is, is one of my strengths. That's an oxymoron. One of my weaknesses, if, if you're my friend, I will fight for you to the death. You may be wrong in hiding, concealing something from me, and I don't know it, but I'll still fight because you're my friend. But you see, God has a way of removing people from your life. 
for the sake of protecting you when bad things happen or bad things are revealed or bad things are exposed. We live in a world when it's virtually impossible to trust hardly anyone. That's why we don't put our trust in man. Psalms 118, verse 8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. I want to share something I printed off the other week. Listen to this. It starts off by, is this the NBA or the NFL? It says, if you're not even a sports fan, this is very interesting. Now listen to these statistics. 36 have been accused of spousal abuse. Seven have been arrested for fraud. 19 have been accused of writing bad checks. 117 have directly or indirectly bankrupted at least two businesses. Three have done time for assault. 71, repeat, 71 cannot get a credit card due to bad credit. 14 have been arrested on drug-related charges. Eight have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits. 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. 84. Can you guess which organization this is? The NBA or the NFL? Neither. It's the 535 members of the United States Congress. Whoever put this together was really profound in how they assembled it. And they questioned, are all of these criminals from the NBA or the NFL? None of them were. They were all from the United States Congress. That, my friend, is the world in which we are living in. If that is not the personification of duplicity and deception, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Think of those, those numbers are staggering. 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. 84. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. Almost twenty percent. <laughs> these numbers are crazy, and yet these are the people that try to legislate how you and I live. It's one thing to talk the talk; it's another to walk the walk. This is why preachers are demanded of God to preach the truth. It's not, preaching the truth is never popular. You'll, you'll never be a popular preacher in preaching against sin. You just won't be. You just will not be popular if you ever cry aloud against sin. There are people who would have you believe they are godly, they're righteous, but away from the mic, away from the television camera, they curse like sailors, they swear, they drink, they do all sorts of things. But they would have you believe 
They live godly lives. You see, that is to manipulate people for their sake, able to shake you down for money. You see, even though we may not know about these things in people's lives, if they have a good conscience, they know what they're doing is not right because the law, the law of God, the, the fundamental principle is it's either right or it's wrong. You know, I, 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 people who curse adamantly, yet they say they're a Christian. How is it James said sweet and bitter water cannot come out of the same well? How can this be? How can this be? You're, you're, you're either salt or you're not. You're either light or you're dark. You, you, you just you can't be in the middle. Now, this is where in teaching and justification, I want to be very careful because I don't want to ever give anyone the sense you have a license to sin. Oh, God's going to cover it. I'm justified by faith. You see, because that's why God didn't do away with the law. Jesus came to fulfill it. All the law says continually is, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, as I shared with you some weeks ago. As a parent, you go through that time in life when you're telling the child, don't say that, don't do that, don't touch that, don't wear that. It's, it's don't, 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 don't. You're always negative, negative, negative. And that's really all the law is, negative, because the law is identifying the negative things in your life. But now, through Jesus Christ, God comes along and gives us something positive, which is the grace of God. The grace of God. See, the law was made manifest to tell you and to tell me when we sin, when we do wrong. It's, it's like the, uh, uh, the referee on a, on a sporting field uh, or sporting event. When the, the player does something wrong, they are identified, the players identified, the, whatever they did is identified, and then there's a penalty for that error. Whatever that it might be, there's a, there's, there's a, a penalty for that infraction. Boxing, you, you hit below the belt after warnings, they DQ you. You know, you got red markers, you got white markers, and you got yellow markers in golf. White always means out of bounds which means stroke and distance. A red marker means a hazard. It's just the stroke or the distance, whichever one. If it's yellow, again, and a hazard, it's both stroke and distance again. Penalties. And those penalties can destroy your ability to win. This is why we're told in, in Hebrews 12 and 2, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset you. Not everything is a sin, but there are weights. They are impediments that Satan will try to put on you to hinder your relationship with God. And, and the more you grow in Christ, the less you sin. And the more you change into the likeness of Christ, your, your, your life becomes more Christ-like. You manifest more fruit of his spirit. If you don't pray, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't stay in the presence of God, you will not have righteous fruit. You will have no fruit. And what fruit you do have, Jude said, it will wither. 
It will eventually wither and perish. It will be done away with. You've got to stay attached to the vine. We're the branches. And if we want sustenance in our lives, spiritual sustenance, that we can keep producing the fruit of his spirit, you've got to stay attached to Christ. This is why when we pray, we read our Bible, we stay in the presence of God, sin stays at bay. It stays away from us. Why? We're staying away from it. That was the great testimony of the man of God, Job. Job chapter 1, verse 1, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, that man was perfect, meaning upright, mature. He was perfect, upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. When you eschew evil, it means you're staying away from it. You're giving no place to the devil. That's Ephesians 4 and 26. Neither give place to the devil. What does that mean? Don't ever make room for the devil to have a place in your life. Don't, don't, don't give him a place. Don't let him, as the old man said, don't let him set up shop in your life. I think I said Ephesians 4.26. It's Ephesians 4.27. Ephesians 4.26, be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, and neither give place to the devil. To give place means you have to make room for if you've got too many things on the coffee table and you want to put something else on the coffee table, you got to remove something to make place for the other uh, decoration, ornament, or whatever you want on the coffee table or the bookshelf. You got to make room for it. You got to make place for it. This is where Christians fail and making place, quote unquote, making provision for the devil. You can't make no provision for the devil. Romans 13, 14, and make no provision for the flesh that you might fulfill the lust thereof. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You cannot make provision for that. When I, when I got saved and came back to the Lord, I never went into another bar. Why? Going to the bar is making provision for the flesh. You, you, you can't buy a liquor bottle, a pint of liquor, fifth of liquor, whatever you buy, put it in the top dresser drawer and say, now, in case I fail, that'll be there for me. In case you fail, you just made provision to fail. This is why you have to break fellowship. This is why you can't go to the office party. They're going to have mixed drinks there. They're going to get to drinking, and they're going to get to be a little tipsy. They're going to be a little bit inebriated, and the talk becomes loose, and they start dancing, and they start doing this, and the next thing you know, you wound up going home with somebody and you committed fornication or you committed adultery, or whatever the case might be, you cannot do that. And the law is always there to identify and manifest not only the sin, but identifies you as the sinner. You're the one doing the sinning. And as we mature with the Lord, you say, well, I don't commit adultery. I don't fornicate. I don't drink liquor. Oh, 
but you might tell a lie once in a while when it's convenient. A, a filthy, nasty word comes out of your mouth. Is that spiritual or is that carnal? And the, the law identifies that that you do because if you have any kind of a conscience, you know deep in your heart, this is not right, but you do it anyway. You're bringing reproach against God. Now, until men lose their consciences, they know they are, number one, they can be estranged from God, they can be separated from God, but they can come to a point when their conscience does not bear witness what I'm doing is wrong. You know, this is why you watch politicians. They are some of the most low-life, dishonest reprobates I've ever seen in my life. And the hypocrisy is off the charts. And I don't care what they believe in, just like the one uh, Democratic lady congressman, I think from Delaware, somewhere in that neighborhood, when they had the rioting on Chapel on Capitol Hill, she's in there praying and calling out to God, and they video her 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 fervent intercessory prayer. But she votes for abortion and same-sex marriage, and as I said the other day, you know when Air Force Two had a problem. You know, Kamala says we're all praying a little prayer. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. These people believe that God's going to let them go into the kingdom of God. I had a particular lady say to me one time, she said, I'm going to make God let me in. Oh, I want to see you do that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see you make God give you eternal life, though you're living like hell. Let's see you do that. Let's see you twist God's arm till he says, uncle says, okay, okay, I'll quit. I'm going to let you in. It's not going to happen. But here's the peril. Here's the danger in all of this. You lose your conscience. You no longer have any fear. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't do that. This is when you become a reprobate. This is when you become an apostate. Romans, Romans 1 and 28 even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. What is Paul telling us? He's telling us they don't want a God consciousness, a God awareness. They don't want the con convicting power of the Holy Spirit to deal with them. And you, 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 keep, you keep doing wrong and, and, and But yet say, I'm still saved. I'm still a child of God. This is how you sear your conscience with a hot iron, Paul said. Having their consciences seared as with a hot iron. Now, years ago, in the old wagon train era, and probably many years before that, somebody got a bad injury and they couldn't get it, the wound to heal, they would take a, a, a cherry red iron hot poker or whatever and stick it into the wound to burn out the pus cauterized it I mean they cauterized the mess out of it you could smell the stench and the burn that that red poker burned that flesh 
But the problem was it cauterized and it damaged the nerve endings and where that sore was with that injury, now there's no feeling. The, the, the wound will eventually heal, but you can touch it, but you, then now you can't feel it, that part of the skin. Now, I'm going I'm to share something with you. There are certain parts of the conscience that can become seared and another part not be seared. Well, what do you mean by that? It's like a homosexual coming to the point and the state they are reprobate in that act of sin. But somehow they still have enough conscience in another area of their mind that's the truth or that's a lie. So the problem is you keep overriding the convicting power of the Holy Spirit you begin to justify. That's why we call it self-justification. True justification is by what Jesus did on the cross. But you keep doing things, and that part of the conscience becomes seared. It, it, it'd be like a, a heterosexual person being a perpetual fornicator or a perpetual adulterer and finally comes to the state and the place, well, it's all right. It, it's, it's okay. Now that part of the brain is, has been seared and you're believing a lie and you're going to be damned. See, now, now that part of the brain has become seared as with the hot iron. Then they bar start believing a lie which causes them to be ultimately damned. But they still know to steal from someone is not right or wrong. But that other part of the conscience and that immorality, sexual immorality, has been so seared, that's okay. God made me this way. Yeah, yeah, God made you that way. Again, this is the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy 4, 2. Having the conscience seared as with a hot iron, speaking lies, and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared as with a hot iron. Now, as long as the conscience stays pure and undefiled, every time a, 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 even a sinner or a Christian does wrong, that law identifies the offense. It is, a, it is identified and said, that's, that's sin, that's wrong, that's a transgression. You cannot do that. And then the Holy Spirit says, you got to make this right. you you got to ask for forgiveness. You can't justify yourself. That's what people do. They go on. They never ask forgiveness of that sin. They justify that sin in their own mind, and they say, I'm, I'm all right, which is nothing but self-justification. You've justified what you're doing. Then you come to the point, well, it's okay, it's all right. No, it's not. It wasn't all right in the beginning. It ain't right now. So Paul says here, moreover, the law entered. The law entered that the offense might abound. In other words, that the offense can be magnified, that it can be seen. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So how does God counter the magnitude of sin. He counters it with the magnitude of grace. It, it is so profound. It is God that cursed everything, but then God provided the cure 
for everything that was cursed. And in the end, all will be ultimately cured and made right. John 1, verses 16 and 17, And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace, multiplied grace, compounded grace. What God is trying to say is no matter how great the sin, there's enough grace to cover it and provide justification until you become a reprobate, until you become an apostate, or until you blaspheme the Holy Ghost of God. Once one of those three things happen, then, then, then the grace can no longer be magnified. I said the grace can no longer be magnified. I was, I was in prayer the other day, and I was just thanking God in spite, of, in spite of my failures, my pitfalls, my stupidity, my ignorance, my arrogance, my pride. I said, God, you've always given me mercy. You've always given me mercy. You see, God is so genius. If I can use that about God, that's, that's a condescending statement. Sure, he's genius. I'm trying to convey in my words of simplicity the majesty, the deity, the greatness of God. But in his genius, God knows when you fail, whether you meant intentionally to fall or it was, it was just that, you made a mistake and you fail. Now, he knows when you made provision for the flesh. He knows when you set out to tell the lie. He knows when you set out to manipulate someone. He knows when you, you talk like the devil in hell behind the scenes, but then you get in front of a bunch of so-called Christians, you talk righteously. He's the one that says you're the hypocrite. See, in the day of judgment, God's going to identify all these people as hypocrites. Now, these are not going to be judged then. The, 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 the ungodly will not be judged in the Bema seat. The ungodly, the wicked, the sinner, the hypocrite will only be judged at the great white throne judgment. When he says there in, in, in Matthew 7, they're going to say, we've prophesied in thy name, done many wonderful works in thy name, etc., etc. That's not at the Bema seat because these are the ungodly and they will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. See, that's Psalms chapter 1. They're not going to be there. Now, they think they're going to be there. They've been listening to these lying, two-timing preachers, and they've told them, oh, you're going to, you can still live in sin. Uh, you can sin every day, and you're going, to, you're going to be right there. No, you're not. You're, you're not going to stand in the congregation with the righteous. Listen to me here in Psalms 1, verse 3. He, the believer, those justified, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit, not their fruit, his fruit, in his season, his leaf also shall not wither or fade away, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Verse 5, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. What judgment? The Bema Seat Judgment, not the Great White Throne Judgment, but the Bema Seat Judgment of the believers. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. 
See, only the righteous, the godly, the redeemed, the justified will stand before God at the Bema seat, the believer's judgment. The ungodly, the sinner, the wicked, they're not going to be there. So when Jesus says there are going to be those who say, Lord, we prophesied in thy name, and we've done this in thy name, and cast out devils, and done many wonderful works in thy name. Depart from me, I never knew you. That's not at the Bema seat. That's at the great white throne judgment. They're, they're, they're not going to be there with the believers. They're not going to be able to stand in the congregation of the righteous. Why? Because they're not righteous. You see, they, they, they secretly, covertly were sinners, liars, cheaters, and dishonest. You know, just about every Christian businessman I know, for the most part, will always tell you, they hate a liar and a thief. Why? Because you're hurting their business. You're hurting their business. And they want honest people. They want transparent people. Christian people are always bearing fruit of his spirit because they're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I want you to get the plurality there. This is not like a tree planted in a 40-acre a, a field out somewhere. This is a like a garden, like in the Garden of Eden where there were multiple rivers, multiple heads of water. You know, here living in the mountains of uh, foothills of the mountains of, of western North Carolina, we have, we have springs everywhere. You start to dig on my property and get three or four feet deep, and psst, here comes a spout of water. Psst, here comes another spout of water. And, and those spouts will turn into creeks, but they are birthed coming out of the ground first. He says that the, the believer is going to be like a tree planted by rivers of waters, and that's why the leaf does not wither, and whatever that believer does prospers. The ungodly, they're not so. They're not going to be able to stand in the congregation of the righteous. Why? Because they are not justified through the work that Christ accomplished on the cross. Let me finish up here today here in Romans 5 and 21. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me, let me, let me capsulize that, paraphrase that. Sin's power is so dominant, sin's power is so overwhelming, if not checked by the blood of Christ, it will reign or it will advance unto death, both spiritual and physical death. However, through the cross, grace now reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ our Lord. So we, we have a choice. You can let sin reign unto death. Again, both physical and spiritual death. Even though that has reigned, now that Christ, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Sin reigned up until the time of Christ. Now there's been provision made to overcome Satan and sin. Even so might grace reign. So we have either sin reigning or we have grace reigning. Grace reigns how? 
through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. If you continue to serve the devil, sin will reign. Have authority, lordship in your life. If you live a godly, righteous life, grace will reign. Grace will reign through the righteous work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross, I just can't say that enough. What Jesus did on the cross is what justifies a person. Please, don't ever think you had a part in your salvation. If you had a speck, if you had just one trillionth of, a, of something the size of a, a, a speck of pepper or, a, or, or a, a small little cube of salt, one trillionth of that cube of salt, or that one trillionth of that speck of pepper, if you had that much to do in your salvation, Jesus died in vain. You say, well, that's, that's, just, that's just too much. <laughs> then you still don't understand, do you? You still don't get how you're justified. And I know it's hard to believe that for some, the older I get, the more I understand it, the more I believe in it, the more I trust in it. I know, oh boy, do I know. I've, I've told God in my prayer life, rightfully and justifiably, you should have wrote this old boy off. You should have thrown me in the waste basket and said the hell with David Lankford. That sorry, good-for-nothing piece of trash. That's why we can't understand the love of God. We need to have a wholesome fear and reverence of God and have an awe of God and not live in sin. But then you got people on the other side who say, oh, you can live anyway. And that's what Paul's trying to tell them there. Don't say we're going to live a life where sin can abound, that grace might abound the much more. He said, God forbid. You're, you're trying to become more Christ-like in your life, and, 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 and you're justified not by anything you do, but you're justified by what he did. And that's why you have to put your faith in the cross. Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Every day, if you fail God today, you have to remember, I'm still justified by my faith in believing what Jesus did on the cross forgave me of my sins. Now, you need to repent of that sin. See, but I promise you this, you, you keep living right long enough, you'll go days and weeks, months, that there's nothing bothering your conscience that you need to repent over. I, I'll say it again in closing. If you pray every day, you're going to stop sinning. If you stop praying, if you quit your prayer life, you will start sinning. Sin will creep back in. It, it, that's just the nature. It's, it's hard to believe we're justified 
Yet that ability, that propensity to sin, it still exists in this old clay jar. It's still there. Well, you know, if I lie, this will get me out of this. If I cheat, this will help me out, whatever it might be. And believe you me, the old flesh will rise up most unexpectedly and suddenly rise up and try to get you to sin and transgress God. I hope you're getting something out of this teaching. Monday we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul said, God forbid. You don't want to be living a life of sin. Let me, in closing today, please encourage you to register for the revival meeting in Fort Mill, South Carolina at Heritage USA. This is the old Jim Baker property, September the 30th through October the 3rd. You, I, I, I can promise you, you'll be blessed. You will be edified. You will be strengthened. I'm looking for visitations from God in these meetings because I'm gearing these meetings for people who want more of God. I'm, I'm, we're not here to, to teach you about aliens and this and that and all this other stuff. And all that stuff's all right. But that, you need strength. You need Holy Ghost strength to overcome that which is going to come. You know, I always think about Peter, James, and John, about myself. They perceived they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they took notice they'd been with Jesus. What we're doing is to endue you with power and strength to overcome the enemy, to overcome Satan here in the time of the end. That's not a put down, a castigation against other things that others are doing. My, my, my desire, my goal is to have spiritual moves and manifestations of God in these meetings. And I believe that. You know, just like in the Old Testament tabernacle, when they gathered around the tabernacle and there were four sides to the tabernacle and three tribes we're always on one side of the tabernacle. So four threes are 12. Each side, north, east, south, and west, there were three tribes. And so when they said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, they were talking about entering in to that outer court and they came in with worship. They came in with worship. His courts with thanksgiving and with praise and worship. That's what we want in these meetings. And I pray you will go to the website and you'll register. Again, as always, your money does not go into the coffers of the Voice of Evangelism. They go to cover the audio, the video, the renting of the building, to give the honorariums to the speakers and to take care of their motel and travel expenses. That's where your money goes. I personally don't take anything. I don't take anything. I just facilitate and the staff here helps me to put these things together, but I don't give myself an honorarium. I don't think that's right. That's me. Others may think that's wrong, but I just love the church and the body of Christ. I'll see you next week in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, 
Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.